Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Parenting Tools podcast. My name is Jason. Mikiyama Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) What language was that? I think it was Italian. Nice. This is the podcast where myself and Jason talk about our lives as dads and we rue the Suzuki Swift sports of old. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> I still don't know what that car is. So, George, how's, how's the week been? Solid. Solid S- week? A very Ooh. solid week. That's, for, that's very opposite to my week. <laughs> I know. I know where this is going. Ooh. So you had a loose week. <laughs> Finish with your week first. It was good. Solid week. Solid week. <laughs> that one is. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the transition of children or toddlers or babies when they're sick becomes milky and manageable to just a human's vomit. Solid foods. So same, same with the, the other end of the business. Yeah, all of it. You're just handling another human's poo there. Yeah. So, um, last week, my daughter ate something that did not agree with her. Was it a burrito? <laughs> no, it was a chicken popper. A chicken popper? Chicken popper. A little spicy bit of chicken. She nice. usually, usually loves the chicken poppers. Something wrong with that one, though. Because as I later found out, in chunks on my bed. Oh, chicken yeah. chunks. So she's been waking up at around midnight still, coming into our bed. Um, but sleeps fine when she does that. And uh, this night, nope. She just sat right up next to my head and vomed. Next to your head? Mm-hmm. On your pillow? On the pillow, on the bed sheet, on the quilt. Oh. And we had a guest staying at our house. Oh. And what was f- <laughs> the funniest moment was that I guess got to use the bathroom in the night and all they were greeted with was an image of me and my pants changing a quilt and wrapping them all into a disgusting ball. Oh, oh, that's, it's to the get ball, washed. isn't it, that entraps yeah. everything. And you've got to hold it together because I'm not very good around sick. 
I'm not very good at all. Nor me. Just talking about it makes me feel like I'm going to go. I was I was always <laughs> the same. If I saw sick, if I smelt sick, I would be sick. Yep. And so you got to hold it together to get the job done. And so then what do you do after that? Just you line it with a towel or the palaver's done with. Oh. And then you're just praying that it doesn't go again. Yeah. But it was rough. Thankfully, she didn't throw up at all other than that. But I'm just not a fan. No. Not a fan. Why can't it just stay no. milky and manageable? I don't think anyone is a fan. No. I don't think anyone's coming on and going, do you know what I love? You do... Picking you, up sick. You do hear people talk about the tactical vom. The ta- like, before a night out? Yeah. And like, I, I could never understand that. Tactical chunder. Yeah. <laughs> never, could never under- get my head around that. I hate throwing up. I See, I don't... How do I word this? <laughs> that doesn't make me sound weird. There are some times where I'm ill and I just want to be sick and get it over and done with. I understand where you're coming from. Like it's me, literally, I, this weekend. It's not that I want to be sick, but I, I, I think, right, let's just be sick. Let's get it out of the way and then I'm, I can move on. I, for me, it would be a last resort. Really? Honestly, I hate it so much. Yeah, I, I think it's getting worse as well, like the more I'm putting it off. <laughs> not like I just need to throw up all the time. But mm. it's just, oh, I, I can't, can't stand it. Um, but yeah, not a fan of that. No. not. I mean, there was it was a solid week in that respect because there were solids involved, but... <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> Two things come out of this for me. There were a lot of things that came out of that for the now. Wor- the, <laughs> <laughs> the word popper. <laughs> now, in our family... You do a little pop. We do a little pop. Yeah. It's a little fart. Yeah. What's your word? What's your child? We use pop as well. Do you? Yeah, pop. Little popper. Little trump. Yeah. <laughs> Proper Midlands, that trump. <laughs> yeah. The main is, is pop. Pop, yeah. pop. That, um, so that came from our oldest when he was quite young, doing one and going, I did a pop. We never said the word. Really? No. Wow. Um, my wife, her family say pump. <laughs> a pump? Yeah. <laughs> I, I toyed with flatch for a while. <laughs> That sounds grotesque. Well, a, a little flatch. Yeah, just a little, did a little flatch. Oh, did you just flatch? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't use that. <laughs> it's from flatulent. I know. So uh, it sounds worse. Yeah, do a little flatch. <laughs> but they didn't really. No one really oh, caught on. Word just does not. <laughs> so, listeners, what is your child-friendly word for passing gas? Yeah, we we like the double barrel pop 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 pop. Yeah, chicken popper. Chicken poppers. That's just the, whatever it is, the little brand of whatever. <laughs> but. They did not even do the pop pop. Didn't even make it to that phase. Nope. <laughs> Sorry for for the <laughs> descriptive nature of that introduction. Let's dive in some opening questions. <laughs> so um, I must apologise. Uh, we didn't put the opening questions thing on social media this week. So as I was driving to Jason's house, which is where we are currently located, I asked my friends in the WhatsApp for some opening questions. And uh, Mark, who was on the pod a few weeks ago, he said, how do you distract your toddler for shopping trips without screens or without giving them food? And I know you and Noah like a little trip to Aldi. We do. What are you doing to keep her uh, occupied? I'm going to be honest, the last few weeks we have not braved it. Have you not? No. Is that because of the pop-pops? No, just because I haven't been able to answer this question. Really? Yeah. Wow. You're in the boat. I'm knee-deep in the boat, sinking. <laughs> So what have you got going on? It's, before I go on, it's it's getting so bad that we're at the point now where we are forgetting to do the weekly shop. 
Really? Yeah. Because usually I sort it out with Noah. Miss the moment though, and we get to the point where what are we having for dinner tonight? We got we got nothing in the nothing nothing on the cards. Yep. I've been there. That's how me and my wife used to live normally. We just decide on the night. As a parent, you can't decide on the night. You can't decide on the night. We try, but we fail. I decided on the night yesterday. It did not go well. <laughs> All we had was a slightly spicy curry, which did not go down well with the kids. You, you've got to be planned. Mm. And that is my downfall. But yeah, so we're just, we're just avoid. Haven't been to Aldi in a while. Two weeks, to be precise. It's getting harder for us as well with the two of them. I imagine, yeah. Where our youngest doesn't like to sit in the trolley anymore. She wants to get up and walk around. And mm-hmm. So with our oldest, he's, uh, he's three and a half. He's fine because he can keep pace with you. He can, you can even say to him, will you go grab that for me? You walk into Aldi, he does this little thing where the first aisle are his smoothies that we get him. And they're right at the other end of the aisle. So he just runs up, gets the smoothies, run back, throw them in the, in the trolley. And he will do that quite a lot. So he'll grab that for me, he'll go get it. With our youngest... She's just too slow <laughs> to let in the truck. And she, she can't be of any help. Yeah. So you have to try and keep her in the pushchair. And she doesn't want to stay, not in the pushchair, in the trolley. But she doesn't want to stay in there. Yeah. And it's an absolute battle. Ah, It is hard, though. Other than that, Mark. <laughs> can't help you. All the best. <laughs> Jordan, this week we have a very special guest. Very special guest to you. And well, for- well done to me. <laughs> <laughs> but even more so to you. Before we introduce our guest, can I tell you my dad joke? Oh, please do. How many paranoids does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. Who wants to know? Uh. <laughs> I'd love to welcome to the podcast my sister, Becky Nichols. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So welcome to the podcast, Becky Nichols. Becky, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here. When Jason asked me to be on, I was trying to be really cool. If you remember, Jason, he's like, will you come on? I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But I got off the phone. I was like, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, it's so good to have you. So for the listeners that don't know, uh, Becky is my sister. Um, so Becky, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what have you got? Well, I am Becky Nichols. Um, it's short for Rebecca. And I have got two, I've got, no, I've got three children, two boys, one girl. Do you want ages? Yeah. Eight, nearly eight, <laughs> and four. I don't know why that took me so long. <laughs> 
<laughs> considering the, uh, the first two are quite close together i was surprised that yes. took you so long yeah you said eight Half and toys. nearly eight and I'll, I'll pick that up um in a little bit <laughs> before we dive into the, the questions about parenting i want to know what jason was like growing up with and how you guys got on i think we got i think well i have mem- fond memories of us getting on and i almost if i think about it i think about almost two different stages so there was young jason and becky where i I think i was the i'm the older sister so i think i i sort of led a lot of the the gaming when i say gaming i don't mean on computer i mean role play like we would play schools we'd play house and i think that was all probably my my kind of motivated want to play games um i do remember um like getting your head stuck in a it's it's sort of my doll's clothes before jason i don't know if you remember that i'm mom being really really cross um but i i think that was us getting on i don't think you ever seemed to mind so you really did tolerate me but then i think there was a bit of a shift as we got a bit older and when we were teenagers and we were more like friends i remember distinctly being friends i think when our when our parents relocated and we have an older brother and he was old enough to not relocate with us. So when we re- relocated, went to new schools, we only kind of had each other and we were kind of going through that experience together. And I remember really being mates growing up. And and yeah, I think I think we got on, didn't we? Yeah. I, Are I you remember that sure? Playing, I, I remember playing Crash Bandicoot together. Taking oh, it this isn't, yeah, yes. And do you and then remember you would though, pretend to be off. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say this. One, one of us would maybe try and get off school, but the other knew going to school, you're going to complete a level without me. <laughs> and the mayor's really cross. But I remember playing Crash Bandicoot. And I remember recently trying to push Crash Bandicoot on my kids and they're not having any of it. And I don't understand <laughs> why they're not into it. But it's, yeah, that was probably just for us. And did you play Crash Bash? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Brent and Bert growing up in the nineties, wasn't it? Oh, amazing! So uh, we mentioned it very early on, but um, Bex, you've you've had your first two children were very close together. Uh, can you they just were, describe, yeah. listeners, how how close are they in age, and what was that like? So my two oldest sons are ten months apart in age. Off. And that's I think we call we call that Irish twins when there's two children born within the same year. <laughs> I don't think we could have got it any closer. So I went into my you know the six week check. Do they still have that six week check that you go in for after you've had a baby? Did you guys no did you have that? Do you, did you not have a six week check after you had a baby? Uh, we were in COVID no? second time round, so we we oh. everything went out the window. Okay, well, you would have a, back in my day, you would have a six-week check. I went into my six-week check already pregnant but didn't know and neither did the doctor at the time and I just got then discharged and, and, and whatever. But um, it was, I think it was about maybe, I don't know how far along I was at the time, but when I found out I was pregnant and I went to the doctor, when I went for the three-month scan, I walked in going, I don't think I'm pregnant. I think it's leftover hormones that are showing up on the pregnancy test. And they went, oh, okay, well, let's just go and have a look and see if there's a baby in there. And they're like, yeah, no, there's definitely a baby in there. <laughs> so for, for the whole three months of the pregnancy, we were like, why is it still, why are my hormones still acting like they're pregnant? Because it was just so close. 
Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I, I had a baby and I was pregnant, and it was, it was, it was, it was like it felt like miraculous, but um, it was crazy, and it for a long time we didn't really believe it was happening, and then it happened. So yeah, it was, bit, it was mad. But they're yeah, so they're close in age, and they're wonderful. But it was crazy. It was really crazy. <laughs> God, I, I remember because obviously the oldest one was 10 months old and then you've got yes. a newborn in the house as well um, yeah and that's just I remember just being carnage amazing but absolute carnage and now having yes. my own child I can't imagine having to juggle all of that I don't honestly I don't know how you did it um absolute madness because it's not even like the twins where they're in a similar routine same routine like, yeah 10 months makes a big difference Especially when they yeah, get there's that a lot young. of development that happens there, and I, I, I don't know. I think I might look back on it now with, you know, remembering like the tranquil bits. But I, I think I remember trying to get them to nap at the same time, and when when they did, it was so glorious. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was definitely a learning curve, and it was it. I think it was it was good because um, I there was no I could didn't see anyone else that was doing it at the time or had done it, so. It just felt like it was this, you know, I could always shock people every now and then with, yes, they're both fine. And both hours, <laughs> both hours. So, yeah, it was cool. Oh, amazing. And what are they like character-wise? Are they are they very much the same? Are they different? They're, the, they're completely opposite. And that was what was really shocking because I just, I just assumed they would be so similar. I, I just assumed it would be the same, the same thing. And obviously having a second child, like you'll know, Jordan, it's the first time that you learn, oh, this child's going to be different um, to the to the to your other child. Uh, but they are very, very like polar opposite. So I've got one that's very sensitive and quiet and very posh. I don't know how that happens. Um, and then the other <laughs> is like wild and loud and speaks fast and uh, not as posh. It was so it, they're very, very opposite. <laughs> and and it's lovely. And they're, at the moment, they're in the same class at school. And so, you know, I don't know whether you would put that. They look different as well. Um, same oh, class is that because they're is that because they're in the school same school year, or are they in a class that's got the two years together? Yeah, it's got the two years together. So they miss right. They've missed the the. I don't know what it is in school where they've missed the time of day where they wouldn't be in yeah. the same class. So that was quite nice for them. But they're in a village school now where they've joined there's two classes to one two year groups to one class so they're in the yeah. same class at the moment and do they do they like that uh i don't think they mind it i'm not well i'm not sure because i'm not there at school so mm. it's hard to work out what's going on but they um yeah i think they have different friendship groups and um sometimes they have different work as well because they're different years um, and I think that their teacher is brilliant and the teacher that they have does very much treat them as individuals and kind of make sure make sure they get their own space. So that's really nice. So yeah, it's oh, good. Brilliant. So seven and eight and four, obviously not in that order. Um, obviously your kids are <laughs> older than our kids. <laughs> your kids are older than our kids what were like some of the challenges like as they get older as they stop becoming toddlers as their children start in school all, all that sort of stuff are there any particular challenges that stand out 
I think as I've got older, the challenges have been um, kind of like the different, I was like the different language that they speak. So when I talk about different languages, I don't understand the Pokemon language and the Minecraft language. It, and, and it is like a whole language. They'll sit and talk to me and I'm like, I don't know those five words that you just said. Like, I don't know what an Ender Dragon is. And then when they try and explain <laughs> it, it then brings up all these other words. I just, I don't understand. And what is the craziest thing is I don't understand how they've learned it in such a fast pace that I can't keep up. I, I like really, yeah. really can't keep up with them. And so wow. kind of going into the whole gaming, internet, media culture that we have now, it I feel so out of control and kind of removed from it as well. So that's kind of serious scary, but then it's kind of funny scary that there's they have all this whole like, love language going on that they seem to really enjoy and it makes them really happy. Um, but I think that's probably one of my challenges. It's, it's nice for them, um, but as a mum, I can't keep up, so I can't keep always interested. Like I, I just, yeah. Sometimes I have to stop and be like, I need to just have a little rest now from talking about, you know, wind and earth powers. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you're well versed in Pokemon. Different, <laughs> different kind of world. I think what, what's what's so fascinating is like what you said. It's it's how quickly they pick up stuff, um, and it's not just like a basic level. It'll be like a week go by, and they've learnt this whole intricate system of the game and all like the law behind it all and there's no way for you to catch up in the same space of time because um, their brains it's, are still like sponges it is it's but we say that but then they can't you know remember to i don't know phonics all the time or oh. or whatever so it's <laughs> or all their spellings so it's it's it, show, it demonstrates that they can retain information and they can learn things and they can learn a different language, but just obviously the ling- English language comes second and, you know, Minecraft language. I don't even know if they have a terminology for the language, but it comes first. So that's really interesting. <laughs> um, but they, and they just love it. And I can't get... What I find sad, what I find hard is I can't get passionate about it. And then I feel, really, I feel a bit guilty sometimes that I can't get passionate about it with them. Um so yeah but you do have a a four-year-old so very much still in that not minecraft world so you've you've still got a little bit you can cling on to (laughs) a kind i don't know because i feel like she even picked up screens a bit a bit quicker um so she she kind of speaks baby shark and and in do 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 do's it's it's just got earlier in our family i imagine that's one of the things of going from two to three as well of just the, the can't honestly my brain actually can't function thinking about having three kids in the house like we're barely surviving with one what are some of the things that we could look forward to um obviously noah is two and a bit um lucas three Myla's one one the three and a half and there one and a half yeah i thought uh, luca yeah, what- was older he looks older it's just he's got a he's just got an old voice Okay. Old voice. <laughs> he can pro- he can project. He can project beyond his years. Oh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> what What are some of the things that we've got to look forward to, Bex? In your opinion, like again, as they get older, like five, six, seven, eight, like what What are some of the the best moments of older kids? Oh, uh, they they just they do get they're funny, but then they I think they do funny stuff like they when they're little as well, but they. 
they're, they're more intentionally funny, I think, as they get older. Um, but with, you know, school's a great thing. And it's when they start going to school, they do start learning things that are beyond you. And that's really exciting. And someone else teaches them that stuff. But even as they start reception and, and things like that, I mean, it was it was being said in one of your previous episodes with Jen, who's the head teacher, that the basic life skills that they start to do themselves, like putting their own shoes on, like my daughter put her own coat on. I didn't even know she could put her own coat on. I was still doing it for her at home. But we went to school and they were like, no, no, let me show you. She did this whole, like, laid it out whipped over a hen and did this twirl and I was like I had no idea my child could do that and it seems like a really simple thing but putting her coat on saves her so much more fast at home and it is like a life-changing life skill that has really helped me out and that was really that's really exciting uh, but as they just they just get to do more stuff themselves it's really thrilling um so <laughs> they're things that I have I have found a really nice surprise and things that I think others can look forward to with kids getting older um, and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's great. And Becky, so one of the main reasons we asked you on today, not just for some family chat and to find out what Jace was like in 1999, but it's Autism Awareness. Uh, I think it's Autism Awareness Month. I've seen different things online where some people say it's a day, some people say it's a week, others say it's a month. So there's a lot of work around this time of year, around autism awareness. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey and the kind of the path that you're on as a family. Sure. So we are, I feel I feel like I'm very, very, and I am, I'm very new to autism awareness um, or really getting to grips with the terminology and what autism is, autism is and what it means. Um, but we recently, a couple of months ago, got a diagnosis for our youngest little girl, who is for um, that she is autistic and quite possibly ADHD as well. I think just because she's a little bit young and um, they want to review the ADHD part. But when it was said, we were like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, so we've been on quite a journey before that. There's quite a journey that happens before diagnosis with children that potentially have got autism or some sort of neurodiversity. Um, and it's, it's been about, I think, before, from the moment we saw a health visitor who made a referral for our daughter, there was then like an 18-month gap between then wow. seeing a consultant who confirmed what 18 months ago the health visitor had said, this is potentially something that could be um, something that your daughter might have. So there's been this whole in-between season of of kind of walking that path or not really walking that path going she might be autistic she she might not have it and so that's that's been a that's been a really weird journey and it in some ways it's only since having the diagnosis that it's we've kind of confirmed no yes this is the path that she is on and therefore as a family we are on and so very it still very much feels like it's a new kind of a new way of life for us but really, we have been in it for a long, for a bit of a long time. So we 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 first started to see, I think, the signs probably around the age of two, two and a half. So it was quite early for us. Um, but yeah, and it's been it's been a time of really learning a lot of stuff as well. 
and there's been lots of emotions and um, I've just been amazed by kind of having my eyes open to this whole different world so to speak wow so you say that um you started six times when she was like two and a half yes right yes and uh, she's four yeah. now what mm-hmm. what were those things that you started to kind of notice and think oh there might be something different here yeah um, and was it was it hard to kind of get the balance between there's some might be something different or there's just the balance between kids are just different to one another yes yeah i think that's the question that i was asking for for a long time i mean probably right up until diagnosis that was a question that i was asking myself um and actually though there were signs around two and a half or what or whatever it it wasn't i don't think i then i was the one that identified it first it was more i saw some signs but i i didn't really see them and he and i'm saying that having had already two children but i don't know about you but i i've got amnesia after having every child like I would forget all the milestones and what they were supposed to be doing at what time by the time I'd had my first give birth to my first child uh, third child I forgot completely that you had to birth children so it wasn't until I woke up in the night when I went I forgot we were supposed to do this I don't know whether my brain just cancelled it out because it was something that used to scare me I'm gonna be so tired not only do I have to to feed them I need to make sure they're not uncomfortable not fall asleep before birthing them so I just my brain just got rid of that that fact um, so when I had my third child and I, there were these different signs, I, I saw it, I didn't really see it. And I kind of thought, oh, that's just her. And I can't really remember if the boys did that. And we kind of just went through the motions. And also we were in lockdown as well. So I didn't really verbally or consciously identify it first. It was other people around me. And it was just kind of off the cuff being at a toddler group because this was before she was in any sort of official you know, daycare, nursery, things like that. I was just at a, a local toddler group and one of the moms had made a comment and it it wasn't a bad comment. They they were bold, but it, I remember it being a moment that when, oh, someone has seen something that I have seen, but I haven't really seen. And it took me a while, I think, to catch up with what other people were seeing around me. Um, but not necessarily knowing if to vocalize it or not. And I'm really actually grateful for that particular mom that had said something and she probably still to this day doesn't understand the impact it had. Um, it wasn't necessarily easy to receive, but it did create a bit of a shock mm. system in in my life of going, ah, oh, there's something here. And it kind of woke me up. And then I can remember up to that point, actually, she stands on her tiptoes and she walks on her tiptoes because now I realise it's because she has autism or she flaps her hands and she flaps her hands an awful lot. But I, it, I, it just became something that I just thought was normal um, and became almost blinded by. And she would also do things like she she just wasn't developing in her speech and language. And she was getting older and older and I still wasn't really... I just kept thinking, well, it's COVID. She hasn't been around lots of people. She hasn't, she hasn't had the opportunity and that's still that's probably the case for some people as well. The pandemic did create some delays in speech and language, but the ways that she would communicate, and because she could communicate with me through other ways, that also made me not notice that she was having communication problems or just communicating differently. 
So she would communicate by if she wanted something, she'd just throw it at me. So if she wanted a drink, she'd throw a bottle at me. If she wanted crisps, she'd throw it at me. If she wanted the TV, she'd throw it at us. Or she, as she got stronger and bigger, she'd start to grab our hands and start taking us to everything she wanted or whatever she was trying to communicate. And after a while, that started to get exhausting. And then I, I realized this wasn't a phase and it wasn't going away. And as I was getting more tired, mm. we were realizing this, there was probably some more to this. So they were just some of the initial first signs. Um, and that's when we went to see a health visitor. And still going to that health visitor, I was wanting the health visitor to give us a reason why we were finding parenting so tiring. But at the same time, I wanted her to say, this is completely normal. Um, mm. To which she didn't. She did say, there are some red flags here. Um, and at that point, she was so great. She she looked at me and she went, Becky, are you all right? And to which I went, and I started to cry. She was just so brilliant. And she went, it's completely normal how you're feeling. Um, and she sat and she filled out that referral for us. And and then, yeah, and then there was this long gap for 18 months before we I got a surprising phone call that the consultant was ready to see her. So that was just some of the first early signs. So what are the things, Becky, that, so you mentioned, you know, walking on your tiptoes and, and flapping hands mm-hmm. and things. One yeah. thing that I've noticed online when I'm seeing kind of Instagram and TikTok accounts share things like autism awareness, this is what my child does, these are the flags. I see a lot of comments of people uh-huh. saying, you know, all toddlers do this. Was there uh-huh. like a, a particular thing or like you said, the time frame that made you think, actually, this isn't normal toddler behavior. There's more at play. I think the the whole time between um, a referral to see um, a consultant to then seeing the consultant and having a diagnosis, I think that whole time, and I hadn't realized this until I was given a diagnosis, because this whole time I was telling people she she might have autism she's waiting on a list to to get a diagnosis and i thought i'd kind of realized she 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 does have something different about her but until i had the diagnosis i was really surprised that i was and i came to the understanding that i was in denial and i actually thought there's some part of me that was going to go to the consultant and they were going to say that this is all normal behavior that all children do or some lots of children do do so I think it was only at that point that I got confirmation that I fully kind of settled in my head and mind and heart that this isn't normal, normal, now what is classed as normal behavior for all children. So, um, and, I, and I was really shocked that I hadn't really come to that realization when I thought I had. So I think it is a real, it's a real hard one to, to know, is this, is this neurodiversity or is it not? Because all children are so different and the spectrum is really large. For sure. And how does how has that impacted her at school and things like that? What does education look like for her now? So at the moment, she's she's not in reception quite yet. She's in nursery, but she's in a reception setting because the classes are shared where we are in school. And um, it's, it's become more apparent that she she will need one-to-one support in some capacity. Um, ideally, as much one-to-one support that she can get. Um, but it will really depend on what funds that the school can be allocated to give her that support. 
So she's in a school setting now, in a classroom with children, lots of children, and um, there's one teacher and there's one TA, but because she needs more support, that TA has to give her attention to our little girl in the time that she's there in the morning for her nursery sessions. And it really resonated when I was listening to your podcast with um, Jen Alford, because when she was describing what she is seeing in the school setting as a head teacher, where the classrooms have never been, um, you know, so full of so many needs and so much neurodiversity within the classroom, yet the funds have been so tight. Um, and even with that, since the pandemic, there's children that aren't maybe necessarily neurodiverse, but they are struggling to regulate their emotions um, after the, the pandemic. So there's just so much need. Funds are so tight. And when she was saying that, it really resonated with me. That someone was articulating what I as a parent am feeling and, and is experiencing in the school setting from the other side. Um, and so I have so much respect for teachers in schools and I love our school. Um, but it, they, they do have so little support at the moment or not the support that I know they wish they could give. Um, but Ida's teachers are so wonderful but there are just two of them in the classroom looking after all of them at the moment. And um, they're just trying to do their best. Um, but it is, I think, times are hard at the moment. And particularly hard for families who have got additional needs. Kids that, and then kids that don't necessarily need to be in specialist school that are able to be in mainstream, but just need the extra funding for, for yeah. that extra support. All right. So tough. And like, there's just so many like different facets to it, isn't there? Um do you think it was helpful when she started going to school? Was that was that any different to the boys going to school? Was that more helpful, less helpful? Um, I think it's always helpful when all children go to school. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I've recently bought a uh, a new book um, about the the highly sensitive child. Yeah. Because um, yeah, because I've noticed that like Noah's quite quite sensitive in a lot of things it's just a lot of she does very well with structure and routines i know a lot of kids thrive in routines but she is like to the max and uh, she's very sensitive so i like bought this book trying to figure out if there's like other stuff that we can learn and figure out how best to parent her and see if there's anything going anything else going on in her little brain or whatever because um, mm. when she was born we were kind of told a myriad of things that could be possibly yes. wrong so we're always on the lookout for those um, but what, what sort of, do you have any advice for parents who are maybe starting the journey or potentially th thinking about starting that, like pursuing that journey with autism? Um, and by that, I mean, looking to get help or anything like that. Do you have any advice for those parents? I think, I think, I think I started by reading books about sensitivity as well. Just trying to work out, you know, is this a sensitivity thing? Is it any more? Um, it is definitely a journey, isn't it? I think, I think my advice for parents, I think my advice maybe for parents that have maybe recently had an autistic diagnosis or that it's, it seems pretty obvious even without the diagnosis that their child might have autism or ADHD or something or sensory needs. It's, it's okay to really give yourself space when you're in the early stages of it to to learn to come to terms with what's going on um 
in fact on the nhs website it does say after receiving a diagnosis give yourself space to to just let it sink in because reality is like it maybe that there's been a shift in what your expectations were going to be for your child and there's a massive sense of unknown as well because you know you you know your life you know what the kind of what you assume life will be like as your child grows up um but now thrown in all this other stuff kind of throws a spanner in it and it's just a little bit unknown and that could be overwhelming and I think for me I just felt a bit of a sense of lack of control of just the unknown not knowing how to support my own daughter or how to parent her in a way that wasn't wasn't going to make it worse for her um so I think just being able to give yourself space because if you don't give yourself space you won't be able to give yourself the emotional space to just come to terms with it and then when you've got a bit of breathing space you can then start to do the work of educating yourself and that takes time as well um, and takes it takes time to start to understand um, all the things that come. I call it, in, in the beginning, there was a lot of autism admin to be done, um, lots of things to explore, lots of different people to talk to, lots of websites to look at, lots of books to read, and that can all be overwhelming. So just trying to give yourself space and take it one step at, the t- at a time. Um, and, and yeah, kind of letting yourself also um, be sad initially as well because mm. it's it does it does change but for me it's changed my life and it's not necessarily it's it's changed my life for the better in so many ways but change is also hard and I oh. think mm. not feeling guilty that it's okay to go I feel a bit overwhelmed and there's an okay. element of sadness isn't what I thought it was going to be and there's an element of worry because you just don't know um what the future holds but i think to encourage anyone that might be listening there will come a time where you feel a little bit more back in control because you'll find that as time goes on you do know your child more than you think and a diagnosis or diagnosis of autism or adhd won't change that and you're just gonna only get better and it knowing and more confident knowing what your child needs as time goes on so I think that would be my encouragement, really. No, that is great. What um, what are your boys like with her, Becky? They they are so they're so good. I and it the thing is, we, when you're in a family unit, when siblings, you're all going through it together. And I think I did forget sometimes that what I was going through, my kids were also going through, and they were noticing that she was different. Mm. And I remember recently my little boy coming home with his little beavers challenge cards um, i'm quite new sure. to beavers and scouts and all of that but he came home with this dad little challenge on his challenge he wrote my challenge is to teach my little sister how to talk and look after her oh. and it was i know it was like and it, that was at the point where i realized he's been going through this as well and there was an element i could see of sadness in my two boys that they weren't being able to converse with their sister in the way that they had been able to do with each other and playing with her is a little bit different. And I'd watched them adapt. So they understand that she really enjoys being tickled, like she won't necessarily engage with role play and gaming in the same way as them, but she enjoys being tickled. She enjoys jumping for ages on the trampoline. And so they're understanding what it is that makes her happy and they're understanding what how they can meet her, the way that they can make her happy as well, and that's giving them a boost. Um, 
And sometimes it does take a bit of a toll on them in terms of we as a family, we ha- including the boys, they have we have to be on our own game of stuff. So um, I think partly to do with the ADHD that Ida might have, and um, Ida's the name of my daughter, actually, I don't know if I said that, um, but she she isn't always aware of danger. So we have to, we've had to install like locks on lots of doors in the house and the boys know, and you know, we, I felt awful because I'm like, we have to put pressure on them, but it is a matter of Ida's safety. We all have to go on our A game because we all open doors, even if mom locks doors, they might open them, but we've all got a locked doors behind us when we've left rooms because she's not little, so she can climb, she can reach things that she shouldn't be reaching. So we, we, had to go for a whole journey as a family of kind of Ida proofing the house. So she loves to eat toiletries. Um, we, I think in the same way, she probably eat, to- um, not toiletries. What's the other one that you, the cleaning things, wow. <laughs> cleaning things she would eat. Um, so <laughs> she's got an obsession with bubbles. So anything that makes any sort of bubbling effect, she will be all over it. Um, we just can't have pens lying around because everywhere we you look, there will be. In fact, I had to relocate where we were going to do this call because there was lots of drawings on the wall. So the boys have had to come on that journey with not leaving stuff around, and um, I absolutely adore them that they they've just taken it on, and because mm. it can be really draining, can it, in your head going to? Because even as a, pa- a a parent with kids, you're like, did I shut the baby gate? Did I do this? Did I? You, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of all those things that you would do as a parent with a toddler, but just it carries on in life. Those sorts yeah. of things. I can't leave things out that I would leave out for a toddler. I can't leave any medication around or because you wouldn't with small children anyway. But it's kind of those things we we just need to carry on. I think what's um, what I find incredible, like as you said, like the boys really not just care for her, but they really know her as well. Um, yeah. And like they take a lot of effort to make sure that she's like happy and that she's playing yeah. well and like you can just watch them and like they'll they'll be on the lookout for her as well and, and mm. like understanding her to a, such a deep level which I find so fascinating. Like your boys yeah. are only seven and eight and they already have that deep understanding. I think that's incredible. Yeah and sometimes when there's been one or two occasions where her teacher hasn't understood what she's saying and so if the boys are in the playground she'll call them over and just say oh do you know what she's saying what she means and so it's it's they are that I just adore them and they and they adore her and she adores them as well and so that's that's really nice so yeah that is awesome and as it is uh autism awareness uh week becky or month what are there's some like misconceptions that you've become more aware of or how have your misconceptions changed as you've been educating yourself more on the subject? Oh, I think that's a good one. I did, you know, I don't think I even knew it was Autism Awareness Month, to be honest, until I think one of you had said, um, so that's great. But um, it's it's just a continuous learning journey, isn't it? And I think because there's been so many tabs open and I've got so many algorithms that post me autism ads and things like that. I I've probably missed that there was autism awareness because it feels like it's been autism awareness year in our house. <laughs> I mean, there's probably still misconceptions that I have um, because I'm just still really young and we're still young on the di- diagnosis, you know, 
journey. They do say when you've met one autistic child, you have met one autistic child. So maybe the assumption that, you know, autistic children are all the same or not, like they are all very, very different. Even if there's an autistic child that's in a similar spectrum level, let's say, they're still going to be really different because having autism doesn't cancel out that they have personalities. And so their personalities can have an impact you know how maybe their autism presents so it, it's so vast and they can't all be lumped together though we can learn from different all different all the differences um so like when i've mentioned some of the things i noticed in ida it might resonate in some of the parents and go oh actually my child does that my child does that and that's similar and they're helpful similarities but at the end of the day they are all or dis- different. You keep one, meet one autistic child, and then they could be really different to to another. So I guess that's one of the misconceptions. I think recently um, there's lots. Sometimes there's a lot of imagery, flamboyant imagery around autism. Like we see lots of color, which is really fantastic around, you know, autis- autism and their logos and and, and things like. That. And that was color runs right now. I think with it must be with the fundraising for autism charities um but some autistic children that's actually quite overwhelming lots of color and lots of you know i think there was like an odd sock day or something recently at school which was probably celebrating awareness for special needs um whereas like i i wouldn't wear odd socks she's very like she's just she's very matchy and she like and like older as well and um i think and then like kind of simple simplicities so i think maybe the misconception that um or like autistic children are all quite bright and um stand out they don't always stand out um and sometimes like lots of um colors um I, I think actually that's how I probably would have in my head when you said autism maybe two three years ago I would have thought of lots of colors lots of shiny things um lots of like sensory things when actually that could be the complete opposite imagery for some children that have autism um so i think that's looking at what i probably what i for or the illustration i would have put with an autistic child before kind of going through this experience myself that's that's awesome that's uh that's broken down a misconception for me as well because i i think the same you know sensory stuff sensory play lots of noise me. lots of textures um but yeah to know that your daughter's the opposite um is yeah that's eye-opening to me yeah and, and oh, so where with her senses she's she she doesn't like a lot of she's sensitive when it comes to hearing but then when like, like with the bubbles but she can't get enough sensory with things like texture um and taste right. and that's why she puts them in her mouth and things like that so where there's one sense she's quite gets quite anxious with um like sometimes she just get anxious with the noise of the shower or hand dryers when you're in a public toilet that like would have to run out if there's someone that puts their hands under a dryer because um, she'd get quite like sort of anxious about it um so it, like, like i said it's, it's a lot to kind of learn um and again it's unique to them so yeah uh bex i um i love it when you post little updates on instagram um just of Ida and things that you're learning i absolutely love it um uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh, oh, I really enjoyed for having me. listening um, and uh, yeah being able to just watch as well the journey that 
the little families going on. Um, it's emo- very emotional at times, um, but you're absolutely smashing it. And I think that was really, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. And I, you're both smashing this podcast. I love listening to the podcast. I listen to it when I go for my run slash jog, mean jog when I mean run. And there's so many times that I'm just like, it goes silent in my ears because it will be, I realize now what's happening. It will be because Jordan's cracked a joke and Jason is trying to reach, his air is trying to reach and find his laugh somewhere where you've gone. <laughs> it's like, you know, when a baby's about to erupt in, in, in a big scream, like you see it and you know, oh, we've got a few seconds to prepare ourselves because it's going to be an eruption. It's like that, but the opposite with laughter when I'm listening to the podcast. But it's really, it's really, really good. I really enjoy it. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Oh, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Becky there as much as we did. That is it for today's episode. But if you're a fan of the podcast, if you'd like to support us, why not leave us a little review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or send us a message on TikTok and Instagram at Parenting Tools Pod. Other than that, see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.